0: Don't leave the seats open, come a bit closer, let's sit together. I want to carry on sharing with you this morning about um, this idea that Adam has been sharing on a normal Sunday, I am here with my three children and I don't get to listen a lot to the word or who's sat in the front. But it's really nice to be able, I've won- gone back and listened to the words that have been happening in the last few weeks and they are just amazing. Um, even if you are here, I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to them each time you hear something new. But I want to carry on thinking and talking about this idea that we, um, about coming home. I love the, the phrase coming home, it's just so... It brings me warmth and joy when I think coming home. Um, and of course, I want to talk to you about rest. Surprise, surprise. I want to talk about surgery and about risk assessments. Mr. Moon, you'll know all about those. <laughs> but we said this a few weeks ago that coming home is seeing the reality of our current situation. Coming home is realizing that life at home is better, therefore, life away from home. It's worse. Uh, recognizing the goodness of the father. Coming home is understanding there's no need for groveling apologies or long admissions of guilt. I love that one. And when I listen back to it, I, I loved Adam's story with Sam and, uh, and about the charger or the headphones. And the way Sam grasped that, oh, well, I can just admit that I've made a mistake. And, and I was like, that is something we need to grasp. There is no need for groveling apologies or long admissions of guilt. He knows it. Coming home is allowing the father to delight over us because we are his kids and we are home. And coming home is accepting his robe, ring and sandals. What a beautiful image of the father putting all those things on his son. And we talked about this journey of accepting we are accepted. And even further than that, Accepting we are accepted is acting, reacting, speaking, and operating out of a place of being accepted. You can say with your mouth that you are accepted, you can even believe that you believe it, but the way you act, the place you do everything from, shows us where we are on this journey. How far on this journey we really are can tell us by how we act, react, you know, this can be a, a benchmark, if you'd like. Am I acting? Am I reacting? Am I speaking? Am I operating out of a place of accepting that I am accepted? And a lot of times, we don't believe that we deserve the acceptance. We fight it, we argue, we, we just have reasons for why it's not true. We deny it, we, we might know it in our heads, but not to a deeper level that we are accepted. And the price has been paid way before you were even born, way before you realize that you are accepted. The price has already paid. So arguing with why you are worthy of it or not just kind of denies what has already been done for you. And we are often in this place of I deserve good things because I've done something good and I don't deserve good things because I messed up. And today I want to focus on rest and the fact that we don't believe we deserve rest. The real rest, the kind of rest that leaves you refreshed. Um, And we still operate from this um, doing good things equals I deserve good things. And in this instance, rest. And messing up equals I don't deserve good things. I don't deserve rest. I don't deserve to stop. Um, after a busy week in which you, you worked a lot and you said yes to too, way, too many things and you went to bed too late, you went to bed late and you woke up early to work out and then did a lot of laundry before even breakfast happens, you might feel like when Friday comes, I deserve a takeout. I deserve to stop, and put my feet up. And there is nothing wrong with that. And those are all good things. But this is not what I'm talking about today. I am talking about deserving a real rest. A rest that refreshes your body mind soul and spirit and it's not linked to how well you've done this week or how much you've done that is our own standard that we put on ourselves on our own measurement of if when I do this then I'll be able to stop when I've worked this much I'll be able to do this when you know and, and we can easily compare well So and so said there's work this much, and they haven't even taken a break. Therefore, I have to do this much before I deserve a break. But the truth is that God wants to give you rest, wants you to take your burden and replace it with His burden and His yoke that is light and easy. And part of accepting we are accepted is accepting we need rest. The more you accept, you are accepted truly and deeply. Accepted the more you see yourself the way the father sees you, the way he is towards you, not with a measuring stick and a timesheet next to you, but nothing but love with towards you. And I love that this morning we kind of went in that direction. We talked about the way the father sees you, the way that father sings over with you, the way he delights in you, the way the more you see yourself the way he sees you. The more you will accept that you are accepted. The more you see yourself the way the Father sees you, the more you see what He has to give you, what He has for you. And you accept it. You accept that you are accepted and you accept rest. Not because you had something to do for it, but because of who He is, not because of anything you've done. And He truly does want to give you a rest. The type of rest that Jesus talked in Matthew 11, that says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I love this verse, because it just, even reading it gives me such excitement and peace that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But this rest takes work. And I know this sounds a little bit like a paradox, but it does, mostly in our mind and how we think about rest and how we see rest and what place in our priority it takes. And it's a journey of letting to rest and receive the rest that refreshes your soul. The way we see rest and the ability to stop and rest in him is directly linked to how we view our acceptance. Believing and accepting we are accepted to the extent that the son did in the parable. He accepted the ring, the robe, and the sandals. He entered his role as the son without needing to grovel or deny it. It means we also understand that there is no need for striving, for doing, for earning. Seeing yourself the way the son saw himself when the father embraced him will help you and help each one of us to stop doing, striving, or earning. And I read this beautiful um, quote from, from Walter Brueggemann. And he says this, The Sabbath is the refusal to let one's life be defined by production, consumption, and the endless pursuit of private well-being. The refusal to let our life be defined by production and consumption. And this word refusal to me implies work, implies doing something, being proactive in refusing your life to be defined by production and consumption. The further we go on this journey of accepting, we're accepted, the more we understand the need for rest. The need to learn to take a real Sabbath and not let ourselves be defined by what we achieve. To not let be defined by production and consumption and achieving. And I'm not saying to not be productive. I'm not saying to not clean, cook, tidy, take care of your house, take care of your family. Those are all good things. I am saying, let's work on not letting those things define us. When we are defined by him and his love, it's easy or easier to stop and leave everything behind to be with him. When we find rest in him, we take upon his yoke rather than our own. Um, our identity, when our identity is fine in all the things that we do, then of course we're not gonna wanna stop doing those things. Because if I stop doing that, then who am am I? So everything that we do is good. You go to work, amazing. You take care of your family, great. You clean your house until it's spotless, amazing. But are those things defining you? Because if they are, you will find it very hard to stop or impossible even. But Jesus' invitation for each of us is this, to take his yoke, Because it is easy and his burden is light. And even as I'm reading this, the spirit within me says, yes, I want this. I want something that's light and easy. But as I read this verse many, many, many times, and only recently I realized that it says, take my yoke upon you. It doesn't, many times I wanted to take my own burden, my own yoke, and put it on him. But this verse says, take my yoke upon you my yoke that is light, my burden that is easy. And I wanted to give him my load, so he carries my load. But in this world, I'm invited to take his yoke. What if his burden doesn't have the same things that my burden does? Therefore, it's light. My burden is defined by the things that I do, by the things that I achieve, by the goals around me, by... next thing that needs to be done but his burden is not the same as mine so when he invites me to take his yoke and burden he also invites me to let go of the external things that define me to let go of my burden and take upon his burden it's not saying that he doesn't want to take your burden he doesn't want to take your worries he doesn't want to take everything that you're carrying in but even more than that, he wants you to, let, to put yours down and take upon his. But the truth is, as I was writing this and I was thinking about it, the truth is that resting in this day and age seems to be a luxury. Not something that we can all do. Not something that we can do regularly. Not something that is always celebrated. It's always celebrated if you've worked really hard. Oh, you've done nothing this week and now you're taking a Sabbath. Mm, Maybe you should uh, work a bit harder to deserve it. Do you feel like you deserve this to sit down? Do you really? No, you need to do a little bit more work to feel. In this day and age, resting, the true rest that God wants to have for you, it's not something that seems to be accessible to each one of us. Well, I can't rest. How can I rest? Have you seen the amount of things I have to do? How can I rest? Have you seen the amount of kids I have? Have you seen the amount of work? Have you seen my home? Have you seen my load? Have you seen my emails? It seems that it is not something that it is our priority. Until something happens that forces us to stop and rest. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But God believes rest to be very important. He made it very clear from the beginning, how important it is. The God, the very strong, amazing God and can create the whole world, stopped and told me and you to stop. In Genesis, we read this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on this day, he rested from all the work of creation that he had done. Did he need to rest? Did he need to stop? Was his, a- was his joints aching? Was his mind too much about, oh, what type of bird should I do next? Did he need to do it? No. But he showed us that he rested from the work. That the rest is just as important as the work and the creation. Resting and taking a Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. It says, remember and keep the Sabbath day. Yes, over the history, if you look, some people and some cultures have taken the Sabbath to, as a rule, to an extreme, to the point where you can't do this, 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 and there's a risk of regulations. Well, that doesn't inspire me much rest either. But the truth is that God believes it to be very important. But often we believe that we can keep doing what we're doing, that we don't need to, to stop right now, that we don't need a rest right now. Maybe it, it doesn't have to be as often as every week. It may be, you know, life is busy, seasons and seasons, and, you know, I'll, I'll work all year, and then in August I'll stop for a couple of weeks, and then I'll carry on for another 12 months. And there is so much to do all the time. Um... And surely there's no time for Sabbath, time to stop, time not to be productive, and time to not, nothing to be achieved. We often see that stopping and resting and being with God, receiving that rest that he has for us, we see it as a waste of time. Often, I have talked to people and I have thought to myself of, what have you done today? And your brain is trying to rock up, what have you done? As in like, what have you achieved Because if I say I've just sat on my bed and I've prayed for 20 minutes. But that is more productive to myself and everyone around me more than cleaning my house. Don't say that to my husband. Because we need to clean the house. But the truth is, when someone's asking you, what have you done today? How's your week been? We feel a need in us to say all the things that we've done. All the things that we achieved What have I done with this? Have I been productive? And we define our own productivity by our own standards or by our own upbringing or by our own culture that you're in or work environment that you're in. But the truth is, we can't afford not to stop and rest and receive the real rest. So this morning, I really want to talk about rest versus recovery. So resting is something that you do regularly, regularly. Something you put in place before there is a need to recover. Recovery and recovering is something you do once something has happened to you. The definition of recovery is this. Restoration or return to health from sickness. You don't recover from being perfectly healthy. You recover when something has happened to your mind or body and tells you to stop. Recovering takes a lot from us. Imagine the recovery from major surgery. It takes everything you have to stop everything. You have to be in bed, you are out of action, you stop. You know, in order to recover you need to do nothing because your body has been pulled through something very big and now you have to recover. But recovery doesn't always fix what was there before the recovery was needed. It just kind of deals with the recovery. It deals with one, there was the one thing that made you crash and stop. A few weeks ago, I was finding myself very, very busy Else, life gets on. And I felt like I was being on a running treadmill, a fast running treadmill, doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. Who has time to stop? And I was sharing this with a friend and she said, make sure you stop before you are made to stop. And I remember thinking, great advice. And I actually did think it was great advice. And I'm like, oh, I better keep that in mind and do it. But it didn't happen. And surely enough, about two weeks later, I had the worst migrant ever. And I don't get migraines often, so, but it was horrible, to the point where I had to have my sunglasses indoors, my head was pounding, it did not help that my kids were screaming their heads off, and I just had to stop. And in that moment, the plans that I had for the day had to stop. My husband had to take a day off, which was not planned, so it was not great. I I had to stop everything to recover from, from this migraine. So I was in bed for a whole day recovering from a migraine which in essence was good. My, my body needed that. My body was telling me, please stop. I actually told you this two weeks ago, but you didn't listen. 24 hours later, I was feeling better. But it didn't, that recovery time didn't really deal with the tiredness and the overwhelm and the exhaustion that was there before the migraine. It just kind of dealt with, let's deal with this migraine because you kind of need to carry on. But I was not in a better place than before the migrant. The recovery helped with the crisis, but it didn't give me all I needed before I had it. Something else had to be put in place so I don't end up with a migraine again. Resting happens before the recovery is needed. Resting in Jesus is even more necessary. So very similar to a risk assessment that a teacher might do before a trip or a company before a big change, you. Um, I've done this as when I was a teacher. If you do a trip, you might think, okay, where is the trip happening? If you can assess the trip before, you go to the location and you look around, okay, there's some twigs, oh, okay, there's this big tree, this could fall. You assess the risk, and then you think of ways to avoid the risks happening. And then you write up a risk assessment. If you can't go to the location, you have to kind of think about it. Mr. Simone, am I right in this? I'm like, oh, I have not done a risk assessment in many years, but hopefully I remember. If you can't go there, you'll have to think about what the possible risk could be. And again, ways of avoiding the risks happening or crisis happening, and then you write up and you put everything in place that you can for the risks not to happen. In a very similar way, resting, we we need to maybe think of resting as a risk assessment. Okay, if I don't stop now, what will happen in a week's time, in two weeks time, in a year's time, in two years times, in 10 years times? And what are the things that I can do now so I benefit 10 years later? What are the things that I need to do now so the risk doesn't happen? but we do we rest we do this sometimes when it gets to the point of our mind body mind and spirit where we actually when our mind tells us or our body tells us we need to stop that's a point at that point we look back and we think oh I should have done that if you take a bunch of kids on a trip and you haven't done a risk assessment something will happen you think oh I should have reminded everyone to wear shoes in the very um, Glass-filled beach. Oh no! I should have done that. But at that point, it's a little bit late, and your parents will have a, the parents will have a problem. But it's the same with rest. I would get to the migraine, and I'm like, Oh, I should have rested three days ago. And that I should have done this before doesn't really help with anything. Doesn't bring you anywhere. But we do that all the time. And I want us to learn, and I want us to not. Leave from recovery to recovery to recovery. Um, and you know, as a parent, I can give you, you know, tips and hacks on how to try to find rest in a busy schedule. Wake up at five before they wake up. They will wake up at five with you. And as a person that had a nine to five jobs, so I can also give you some ways of resting. But today, I don't really want to focus on the actual practical things that you need to be put in place in order to rest. And trust me, there is lots of practical things that need To be put in place in order to stop and rest but what I want to talk about is the place where everything comes from I want to talk and share about the place within us that allows us to rest allows us to stop striving to stop doing achieving the place in us that when we feel tired weary overwhelmed we go to him first we seek Him, we find the rest in Him, rather than anywhere else, or after then, this one thing's happened, then I will stop. Because the truth is, this ability to rest in the storm comes from an in internal place, rather than external place, Has the storm. The storm hasn't stopped, but He was able to sleep in it. If it doesn't come from a place within you, you can have the best, most organized plan put in place to rest stop practice self care and it will not bring you rest long term because if this doesn't come from within then everything external will not solve the with the internal it comes it needs to come from a place of accepting we are accepted from a place of returning home rather than from a place of groveling of still trying to earn it and jesus speaks about taking his yoke and not us giving our burden and yoke to him. But why? Why take my yoke? He says, take upon my yoke and you will learn from me. So what can I learn from him? If I look at Jesus priorities, what are his priorities? Are his priorities producing, achieving and consumption? No, Jesus is not concerned with the same things that we are. And that does not mean he doesn't care. It's just saying he isn't concerned with them. If we look at him throughout the New Testament, he's concerned with people, loving people, restoring people. But he knows that that comes from a place of being with the Father. When he isn't with the Father, he does all those things. Those are his concerns. So he makes it a priority to be with the Father. He makes choices that leave people wondering He isn't concerned with what people might think, because everything he does comes from a place of being with the Father. You know, he tells the people these parables that we've heard so many times and we've become familiar with them, but he tells them these parables, not because they were nice stories to hear. Okay, children, gather around for a cute little story, that will put you to sleep. No, these were radical stories for the time. They were not cute, nice stories of, oh, Jesus loves me. It was radical. To tell a bunch of Jews that if your son takes half of your inheritance and spends it unwisely and then comes home, you should receive him back and give him everything again. It was radical. It was radical for him to send his family away when they came to see him. It was radical for him to sleep in the middle of a storm where his disciples were fretting and frightening. It was radical for him to heal the soldier that was about to take him to his death. But Jesus was doing these things from a place of rest, not not from a place of pleasing people or looking good or producing something or achieving something in the same way and sense that we see achieving. Jesus was doing this because he was in constant connection with the Father. And when he was doing things, he was restoring people, even if that meant people thinking, what is he doing? How dare he do that on the Sabbath? How dare he heal that man? He deserves his ear cut off. Did you not see what he was trying to do to Jesus? But Jesus was like, no. So what are the things that I must do in order to rest? And again, I see the irony of the word doing and rest. But I have learned over the years that this is very important. So what I'm asking is, what are the things that I need to be put in place in order to operate the same way when there's a storm and a nice calm storm, calming sea? I want to operate in the same manner when there's everything around me goes great and it's perfect and it's calm in the same way that when there's a storm happening around me. How can I rest now to avoid recovery later? And for me personally, at this point, moment in life is taking a step back from what I'm about to go in and asking him to reveal to me what his priorities are rather than mine. In every situation, big and small. has happened a few times this week when I'm like, I'm about to enter something with my priorities and with my thoughts and with my responses. And then I just had to stop for half a second. Lord, give me your priorities. And if anyone would have looked from the outside in, they would have been thinking, what is she doing? That doesn't seem logical. I believe that people thought that about Jesus all the time. What is he doing? But for me, I need to know that in that moment, he is my priority. And I'm using his priorities in this situation. Because my priorities have not given me much rest lately. My priorities have not brought me any further to feeling at peace all the time. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever is on your mind, whatever is troubling you, making you lose sleep, what are you doing about it? Are you fretting? Are you solving? Are you telling him what he should do? Or are you allowing his peace to flood you? Are you taking his yoke upon you? Are you running towards him the same way he's running towards you? Too many times I have looked at something and I started fretting and solving and telling him what he should do. God, if you only do this, 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 you, let me tell you how this situation would be amazing. I hope you're laughing because you've done the same thing, not because it's such a silly thing to do. But it is true. How many times have I told him what he should do? As if he has no idea, as if he needed me and my wisdom to tell him how this situation would be much better with my input in it. Or have I taken a step back and allowed him to work? As a parent of three under five, there is always something for me to worry about my children whatever the season we are in there is always something and right now i'm dealing with something with one of my children something that is causing me to worry and causing me to wanting to solve and you know i want to take it all away and causing me to tell god how this could be solved and i have told him how what he you know i it, it's a situation that's making me like okay god can we do this 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 and then I heard him say this to me through someone, there is nothing to do right now more than you are doing. More, everything that you're doing is fine. You can't do anymore. You can't take it away from him, but that is what resting in the middle of the storm is. And I was like, oh, okay. It was not the answer I would have liked, not the answer I wanted, but the truth is resting in the storm right now is allowing him to be in this situation. Being in this place right now, not being able to change it, not being able to speed it up, not being able to go back in time and make it better, not being able to throw blame or find out why. And I can rest in it and trust that he has got my children, that he sees them, that he knows the situation better than I can. Or I can carry on with this thought of what if I could do this, and I could do that, and I could do this, and if I found this, and I found that, and if that person didn't do this, and if that person did do this, and et cetera, et cetera. And then the end of it, or even before, I end up in recovery because I'm burned out. And the truth is that the second option doesn't actually do anything, doesn't bring me anywhere closer to a solution, doesn't solve anything. All I've done is I felt like I've done something. Have you ever been stuck in traffic, very, very slow traffic? And then you think, oh, I'm going to go the other way. And I I am guilty for that. I'm going to go the other way because I know it's quicker. The truth is most of the times it's not quicker, but you feel like it's quicker because you're actually moving rather than sitting. And then I end up there at the other light and I'm like, oh, all these cars were, were in front of me. How am I behind them now? The truth is that sometimes we do things because we feel like doing something helps, even though it doesn't help. I'm going to go this way, and even though there's 20 bumps, and actually I have to drive way slower than if I would have just started traffic and waited for my turn. But I feel like I've done something. I feel like I moved. Therefore, I must be going further. I must be going somewhere. And in reality, you haven't got anywhere further. We feel in situation that we need to do something. And stopping is the hardest one not doing anything is the hardest one resting in the storm is the hardest one but it's also the one that will give me proper rest the one that will bring me closer to god the one that will give me and help me understand his priorities rather than mine if i look at jesus that is how he operated he spent time with the Father to rest. He went to his quiet place, not because he was burnt out and needed recovering, but because he was always operating out of rest, out of time spent with the Father rather than doing and being productive. And I'm sure, like I said, there were plenty of people around him that probably thought, what is he doing? What is he doing going up to the mountain to pray? There is so much to do around him. There's so many people to see, preachers to be spoken, furniture to be built. What is he doing? It will take him half a day just to go up the mountain. Couldn't he just pray here amongst all of us? But Jesus knew that what he was doing was more important than what people were thinking. He knew that that time spent with the Father will help him be more productive, if you like, than if he didn't. If he spent the time seeing one more person or doing one more preach, and I'm going to finish with this, I read this in, in a, a little while ago, it's an anonymous quote, and it says this, marriage is hard, divorce is hard, choose your heart. Obesity is hard, being fit is hard, choose your heart. Being in debt is hard, being financially dis- d- disciplined is hard, choose your heart. Communication is hard, not communication, communicating is hard, choose your heart. Life will never be easy, it will always be hard, but we can choose our heart pick wisely. And I I would add to this, resting is hard, but recovering is also hard. Choose your heart. When you choose the other option, you think you're choosing the easy option. It might be easy for this moment, right, this second, but it's not. Whatever choice we make, it is hard. You might look at somebody and think, oh, what they have is great and easy, I want that. And when you're there, you're like, oh, this is quite hard. Resting is hard, recovering is hard. Choose your heart. And I want to close with this. Going to Him, being in His presence, and asking for help, guidance, peace, patience, grace, energy, all you need, asking for Him to give you all those things, looks different for everyone in different seasons of life. It definitely looks different for me now than it looked four years ago when I had no children. But that is okay, And it can look different. But he is still the one I go to. He is the one that gives me the rest and peace that I need to carry on. As I go on this journey of accepting I am accepting, I will be able to rest in the storm more and more. Because I know, deeply and truly know, that he is there in the boat with me. And I don't need to leave from recovery to recovery. Amen.